Jones for the first time! Line it goes, Davies on the run, got behind Yedlin, is trying to recover. Alfonso Davies, it's a tie game! Kyle Laren! Kai Havertz, who is around Aderson, and Havertz scores for Chelsea! Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. All right, welcome to episode 14, I believe, of the Terminal City FC podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Ray. As per usual, joined as always by my co-host Nathan Dirk. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, Josh? I'm doing pretty good. Been a pretty good weekend. We actually have some white cap stuff to talk about this week because the MLS Super Draft happened just a couple of days ago. Yeah, it feels good to be able to talk about the white caps again. We're heading into that uh, time of year finally. Yep, and let's start off with their first pick, which they took with the I believe the 16th or 17th overall pick. And they took a forward. His name is Simon Betcher out of St. Louis University. And one thing you can know about him is he can score goals. Yeah, he can actually score pretty good. He's got a, a pretty good uh, uh, goal rating uh, in being involved, at least being involved in at least a goal a game, whether or not scoring or assisting. So, I mean, I would say out of any of the picks that the Whitecaps had uh, last week, he might be the one that might get a sniff on the first team. Yeah, and could be a potential backup to Brian White. Um, I'm just taking a look here. Betcher scored 14 goals and had 10 assists with St. Louis University. And he had a goal or an assist in 11 straight matches and a goal in nine straight matches. I mean, that's pretty amazing stats right there. If you're averaging a goal a game for a striker, I mean, you're going to be snapped up somewhere. Yeah, pretty clinical. Five of those goals were game winners. Absolutely. I think he actually led, he either led his division in game-winning goals or he led uh, uh, his league. I can't remember which one it is, but one of them he actually led with uh, six game-winning goals. Yeah, that's... That sounds about right. Yeah. So this Betcher, uh, we'll see how he does in in training camp. He could potentially be with the first team. He could potentially be with the development squad or go out on loan, but we'll see. And I, I like this pick because... Yeah, you know what? It's not bad. It's, uh, it's not what I was expecting with the first pick, going with the striker. That's the position that when we think of the Whitecaps, we think, that, you know, there's depth there. And you and I had talked before that the need with the Whitecaps is defense. But you know what? The one thing that with the Whitecaps this season is, and you already touched on it, is with the developmental teams that the Whitecaps have this year. We have the MLS Next League that needs a brand new squad for it. We also have the Whitecaps Academy that's going to be playing with a separate team in uh, League One BC. So we have two full rosters on top of the first team that the Whitecaps got to fill up somewhere. These are players that can fill that. Yeah, for sure. And surprisingly, I thought the Whitecaps would go with the defender, like a fullback, but it's interesting. They went with a striker and it looks like for the rest of their picks, they didn't pick a defender. Not at all. And their second round pick. Um, just taking a look here. Second round pick was uh, Luis, Luis Fernandez Salvador. What a name. Yeah. Uh, apparently he scores high and expected goals in duels one. Also, uh, looks like he is a, a also a forward, I believe. No, uh, he's a forward, midfielder. but he also plays uh, like, a, like an attacking he's a midfielder. midfielder. Yeah, he's more of an attacking midfielder. From out of Clemson. Oh, yeah. And then they also took Giovanni Aguilar, who is a defensive midfielder who seems, as I'm looking here, a guy who can win duels, make some good passes. 
uh, seeing where he where he was based out of. I'm taking a look here. Which school he see Sun Athletics? Not sure where where that is. The amount of colleges in the states, yeah, right, yeah. I don't think this is an NC. Might be a tier below NCAA, if I'm correct. Because when I think of college sports, I think of the other football and and basketball. Well, you think uh, of the but, other football, and I mean, they're drawing in uh, crowds that are, you know, that rival professional sports. And they also took Theo Colomb, another striker, who is, from what I'm reading, can also score goals out of UNCG. Yeah. Uh, now, the, again, this one was at a bit of a lower league level. So he, while he's putting up really good numbers, he's doing it uh, at uh, a competition level that might be a little bit different than Betcher. Um, again, though, it's it's a pick that is going to be depth for the other squads that uh, the Whitecaps have to fill this year. And then they finally took a gu- Vitor Diaz, who... I'm just taking a look here. I believe is a winger. So yep. we're not going to pretend that we know a lot about college soccer and these picks. We're just, I'm just literally looking at 86 forever's mild evaluation here. The only one I know about is Betcher because he was the first. And from what I've seen again, goal scorer and can also get some assists, which yep. would be, be pretty helpful for the White Caps. I think we also need to take a look out that when it comes to the MLS Super Draft, anything after the first round, you're very, very lucky if you ever get to play in the MLS. Because we're talking about a league that also has separate academy structures where they are working at homegrown players. You're also bringing in players from all over the world. It is tough to break in when it is through the Super Draft. So when we're looking at the second and the third rounds, and also in this year, the now defunct fourth round that we still had a few teams that were able to have a pick in, including the Caps. these are not players that we're looking at playing on the Whitecaps first squad, but they will have a home within the overall structure. I can't think of a, a player who made a significant impact outside of the first round in the Whitecaps history. But nope. it'll be interesting to see how they do. And for now, their home will be the development squads or loans or wherever. But if you're picked in the first round, you have a higher chance of obviously making the, the team out of camp. You do. And uh, I mean, when it comes to the Whitecaps and, and their picks throughout the, the Super Draft, I mean, the Whitecaps have been, I would say, hit and miss has probably been the best way to describe. They've had some absolute great players come through the, the Super Draft. Uh, names like Tim Parker come to mind. We still have Jake Nerwinski, who, I mean, he's, he's a squad player, but he is consistently in that first, that first uh, string when it comes to the Whitecaps as a starting player. They've had players that have done relatively well. We have had other players that have struggled. Eric Hurtado never really found his spot, right? Even uh, other players, like our very, very first pick, who when we uh, joined the league, Omar Gonzalez, never really seemed to find a home. So, I mean, it's it's tough to say. Uh, I think it's going to be early for all of these players. But you know what? Hopefully one or two of them we start to see in that first uh, lineup, say in three years or so. Yeah, Jake Nerwinski is probably the guy that comes to mind for a super draft pick that actually worked out for the Whitecaps. Just looking here, Brian White was also a super draft pick, but that was the New York Red Bulls in 2018. The last two, David Egbo and Ryan Raposo, still have some potential. And of course, Tristan, Tristan Blackman, who the Whitecaps traded for from Charlotte, was taken in the super draft by LAFC in 2018. Yeah. Raposo has a, a big upset on him. If I believe, if I remember right, he was also a generation Adidas player. 
you know, uh, the certain players that come out of the super draft that are picked as kind of like the creme de la creme of uh, the picks that are available for that year. He did see minutes last year. Uh, oftentimes it was from the bench. Yeah. I mean, he needs some consistency to follow up with him. And that's going to be difficult when you're playing on uh, a, a more of a, a wing position, uh, an area where the Whitecaps actually have some depth, right? We've got players kind of ahead of him when it comes to those areas. In, whether or not alone suits him, I don't know. It might suit him, but I don't know if it suits the team. Having him around and having that option available, I think is better for the Whitecaps in the long run. For sure. And Axel Schuster, he talked about what's going forward with the Whitecaps in this offseason. And they really haven't done a lot other than trade for Blackman. But the January transfer window, again, is open. And Schuster, in his press conference yesterday, he said he was hinting that more transfer activity will be coming in the, within the next few weeks. What could, what could that look like? We don't know. Yeah. But there are some been some rumors. Uh, Mikel from the Whitecaps is rumored to leave the club. And Which that would be a tough one. I I think Bikel solidified himself as a bit of a fan favorite last year. He was a guy that he seemed to, to quietly do a job, but through as the season grew, he became more and more noticeable for the hard, consistent work that he was putting out on the pitch. Uh, you are right. There are a few few names that are interested in Bikel, uh, and uh, there's actually more than a few of those names are coming over from Europe. I think if he wants to go, this is now the best time in his career to go. Uh, a, a bit of bittersweet. He's a guy that I think I would like to keep on the Whitecaps, but if he goes, you know, you have to wish him all the best. Yeah, according to, yeah, according to Tom Borg, Tom Borgard, uh, it's a European club. Yeah, no decision, and a lot, some more European clubs are interested. Who are they? Bogard didn't provide any names, but even some MLS clubs made inquiries on Bikel last year. So, the Whitecaps have Chow Alexandre, Russell Tiber, Leo Ousu, Michael Bedissimo, also in the midfield. And uh, Sarcini's system has room for two central midfielders. So it's, it's, it would be a tough loss for the Whitecaps. But it's not like something like, oh, my God, we can't. We're, we're going to really suck without this guy. But I, I like Bikel. It would suck to see him go. But when, you, when maybe... you look at that list you just had there, though, Josh, Bikel is either top one or two of that list, right? So yeah. it, it is a loss no matter what you do. You're right. There is depth, but I don't know if that depth is to the level of what we would hope for, right? Especially if we want to keep moving and progressing uh, higher at higher levels within the MLS. Maybe the Whitecaps could use the funds for Bikel to find, find a replacement, maybe promote someone up from the academy. Who knows? There are options. You are absolutely right. And also, we've talked about this before, but uh, Schuster didn't really mention it. I'm just looking at my notes from Max Fossey, who was in the conference. Um, like Schuster hinting that some players could be sold and all that. And we've talked about Lucas Cavallini and how he hasn't really worked out with the Whitecaps. And he could potentially leave. But it's easier said than done because... He cost the Whitecaps quite a bit of money and is making quite a bit out of their wages. Yeah, he is a player that I think everyone hoped would turn out better than it has, unfortunately. Now, we, we have to fully admit with Cavallini, a lot of this is due to injuries. He had an injury riddled year last year, and that just makes it difficult. But, I mean, if you're paying that much money, for a player, you're expecting a return on that investment. And the Whitecaps just haven't gotten it uh, throughout uh, his time here. He, you know, he might be good for maybe, maybe 10 goals a season. 
he's a DP level striker. You're going to be hoping for a bit more production from him. Uh, yeah. You know what? I think he's a, a player that they would like to move. I just don't know where you move him. He's going to have salary demands that are going to put him out of a lot of opportunities that are out there. I don't know if, basically, I don't see him moving to another MLS side. If anything, it may be back to Mexico, but that's, you know, again, whether or not you can find a team that, that wants him. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't see him going to another MLS side. I see him going out on loan to Mexico or somewhere else. Because I, I just don't see the Whitecaps selling him. They're either loaning him out or they're keeping him. Yeah, I don't think that there is a sale out there for him, you know? The problem is, is and, and I don't know what the answer to this is, if you loan him out, does that still count against the Whitecaps club as having a DP spot? Because the contract, the parent contract is still with the Whitecaps. For sure. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens with... Cavalini. It's a shame he hasn't worked out mainly due to injuries. Yeah. But if he does stay, it's it's one more chance to prove himself. It is. And the thing is, is he has competition now, right? Someone like White coming in, other players that are sniffing at his heels. If he wants to prove he has that competitive, that he has that competitive edge to want to be the best, it's just whether or not his body's going to allow him. Totally. And also Forges FCs of the <clears throat> excuse me, Canadian Premier League's Kwame Awa will have a trial with the Whitecaps. Yeah, this is something that I think is a bit of a breath of fresh air for the Whitecaps. Uh, Kwame Awa had a, a really good season for uh, Forge last year. And I mean, Forge has always consistently been out of the past, or I guess the three seasons that the CPL has been around, has been one of the top sides in uh, in that league. They've won the first two uh, uh, league titles. They made it to the finals of the playoffs last year, only to lose out to Pacific FC. And uh, Kwame has been uh, a starter. He's, he's a left back. And the left back is a position that the Whitecaps need. Right now, We uh, that is an area that we are lacking. Um, this is a player that was expected to make the MLS jump. The, the fact that he is training with the Whitecaps, I think, suits the player and suits the club. Training camp is going to decide whether or not it comes to fruition. But I, I'm happy that both sides are giving each other a chance. I think it's something that could potentially be very good. And on top of it, it's uh, another Canadian on a Canadian team. So, you know, you can't be, uh, can't be uh, angry about that. Yeah, 26 years old. A left back is, again, something the Whitecaps need. And from what I'm seeing here, he had a pretty good season with Forge. did, yep. And if he could translate that in the trial and hopefully translate it to the MLS, it would be a, it would be a good investment in the Whitecaps, potentially. The thing is, is he, uh, he would also come on the cheap. Right. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to worry about uh, exorbitant uh, salary demands as long as he can show himself to be a consistent player. I don't think the Whitecaps need anything flashy from that. And you got to remember what he's replaced. He's replacing uh, a position where Aliad Nan had filled. We uh, we were one of the only clubs in MLS that thought it was sensible to use a designated player spot in a la- in a fullback position. That's not something that normally happens. Now, Adnan had flashes of brilliance, and he did a great job for the Whitecaps. But you can use that position not to be flashy, but to you know feed crosses into the box. That is the position, especially in a, in a role like Sertini, that's got to be able to run, right? You've got to be able to have the athleticism to run that 11, 12 kilometers a game up and down the entire length of pitch because – you're not only involved in the defensive action, you're basically playing like a wing back at times, right? So you've got to be able to get right up to that byline on the other side of the pitch. Um, I think I think he checks the boxes. It's just going to be a matter of whether or not he fits with the team, whether or not he fits with Sartini's system, and whether or not he can make that jump from uh, CPL to MLS. I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, but from what I'm reading, he ranked in the top 10 in the CPL in recoveries with 155, duels won 142, 
second most tackles on his team, 30. And he is very hard to beat one-on-one. And he can also cross the ball pretty well. He ticks so, all the boxes on paper, right? Like he he is exactly what Schuster is going to be wanting and what uh, Sartini is going to be wanting in that position. Give him a chance, right? I, I, I think that's what they're doing. They're going to give him a chance. We'll see how he does in camp. And also, Bruno Gaspar's loan again was what was squashed. Yeah, this is something like we he has already been gone back to Portugal. He's back with uh, with his team there. There were rumors that the Whitecaps were looking to see if they could get another loan for Gaspar. Now, the news coming out of Portugal is that uh, I think he's with Sporting out there is that, yeah, they're not looking to keep Gaspar. But they're looking to actually get rid of him permanently. They're not looking at getting rid of him on a loan. And this is what writes the Whitecaps off. When Gaspar came to the Whitecaps, they were our, uh, Sporting was keeping a significant part of his wages and paying it off. If the Whitecaps were to sign him here, that would be essentially another designated player spot. He would be making over a million. That's not something that the Whitecaps are ready to do. And I don't think it's something that they want to do. So I'm pretty sure that uh, the fact that Gaspar looks like he might be moving elsewhere in Europe writes off any chance that the Whitecaps have of bringing him back on loan for another year. It was a long shot to begin with. I mean, conversations have been gone going for about a month, but I don't really know if they moved out of more of an exploratory stage. So I think we can definitely say Gaspar's time with the Whitecaps is done. Yeah, I uh, pretty much he's back at sporting and it's no longer a cap. He didn't do too bad in his loan spell with the Whitecaps. He slowly improved throughout the season. But I'm yeah. kind of hoping they kind of bring him in for another loan. You least. know what, I... I like what you said there that he slowly improved because I agree with you. When he first started, I wasn't sold on him, especially for a bit of the fanfare that he came along with him. This is a player that is experienced. He's playing for one of the top clubs in Portugal. This is, you know, not only a good league, but it's a good team. And he is a player that can fit a much needed role. And then we didn't really see a whole lot of him. He kind of just seemed to disappear within the squad. But slowly he started to find his place. He started to, and I mean, a lot of my memories of the Whitecaps last year do oddly involve him. I remember an absolute brilliant headed, headed goal by, uh, by White that was done uh, from across a last-ditch effort saved by Gaspar off the byline to get it uh, to cross the two-way. And then, you know, he had moments of brilliance like this. It's... Those moments of brilliance, again, I don't think they translate to what it would cost to bring him in on a, on a permanent basis. So, again, wish him well. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be sticking around with uh, sporting, but, you know, wherever he does end up, he, uh, he's still got quite a few years left in him. For sure. And, yeah, he was very good at crosses and um, those, those small runs, like, later in the later half of the season. But we wish him the best. See what where he goes next. Training camp for the Whitecaps, <clears throat> excuse me, actually begins on Monday. Yeah, we're back. Can you believe it? The Whitecaps season is very close. Whitecaps will uh, have. Uh, we know we'll be spending the majority of their training here uh, in uh, in and around Vancouver. We also had reported earlier, Josh. And I think it was uh, something that was uh, mentioned elsewhere. They are going to be doing uh, one game that is going to have yeah. proceeds going to uh, flood relief and uh, the victims of the, the flooding that happened in the Fraser Valley and Lower Mainland. Uh, they are also going to be spending, I believe it's about uh, a week to 10 days down in California. That's right. They're going to play a preseason game in San Diego. All right. Well, you know what? They start up on Monday. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if we have any other trials along with Arua. Uh, it'd be nice to bring in our super draft picks uh, along with the team. Uh, I know with our super draft picks, some of them have already made videos on Twitter, uh, excited to be to Vancouver. So you can always uh, check those out on their respective profiles. 
But uh, yeah, you know, the boys are back. They're going to be training and we're going to see uh, what can they do with a full season in Vancouver? What can they do with a full season under Vanny Sartini? That too. And also transfers. We could see more activity within the next few weeks. Players could be going in. Players could be going out. Whitecap season, it's just around the corner. We are uh, about a month away before the very first game. We, we know that's coming up here at the end of February. So they've got a, a month and a bit to, uh, to get it together. We know that's going to be punctuated a little bit. We've got a, a few uh, Canadian national games coming up here. Uh, we've talked about before, uh, go Canada against the States. But uh, they've got more than enough time to build something cohesive. Okay, some minor Canadian Premier League news. David Klanichan awarded exclusive rights to the Windsor-Essex County in Ontario, and he stepped down as the league's first ever commissioner. Yeah, so he was around. uh, They brought him in. uh, Actually, of all things, I think he came in. He was an executive with Tim Hortons uh, when they brought him in to uh, become the the first commissioner of uh, the CPL. He's been around for the, the three years of uh, the first three years of the season. And he was around for about uh, about a year before the first ball was ever, uh, was ever kicked. So he definitely had a, a first hand in making that league what it has become. Now, he has decided to step down. He has been awarded the exclusive rights to that area. That doesn't mean he's been awarded an expansion side yet. It's, it's very exploratory. It is very, very early stages. And the one thing we have to remember about the CPL is that when it comes to expansion, we still have a couple of teams kind of uh, ahead of whatever clan and Chen decides to do. There is uh, potentially a team that's supposed to be setting up in Saskatoon that is still uh, awaiting uh, information about, uh, about where they're going to have a stadium. We also know that uh, a CPL team has been awarded for somewhere in either Vancouver or the Lower Mainland. We're not entirely sure where that is yet, but that award came uh, late last year. So there are teams uh, ahead of uh, Planachan of and whatever he decides to do in Windsor. The other thing with uh, the CPL right now, and uh, a bit of a, I guess, a little bit of a sobering news for a brand new league is the FAF family out of Edmonton has decided to relinquish their control of FC Edmonton to the league. Now the Fath family and soccer in Edmonton actually do have a long history. They were the owners of the uh, FC Edmonton team that played in the old uh, W or the uh, NASL, I believe it was. And they folded the team uh, about a year before the CPL started. Now, they were actually brought back to form FC Edmonton for the C for the CPL by the fans. Basically fans in Edmonton started holding rallies, started holding meetings in bars in Edmonton to try and encourage the Fath family to pursue uh, FC Edmonton as one of the inaugural teams of the CPL. And the kind of the that groundswell actually brought them back. They decided to start the, the team over again. They found a, a new place to play and they've been around for the first three seasons. But unfortunately, that groundswell of fans didn't translate to bums and seats. So they, uh, I guess for the Fath family, they kind of see it as a bit of a, a losing endeavor and they have decided to step back. So unfortunately, we're we're three years in. We've got a team, one of the one of the introductory teams into the league, with really no owner right now. Wow, that's that's quite the story. So they have no owner, and the future of the team is in jeopardy. Just three years in. That's yeah, and quite the story. It's, uh, I mean, it's not good news, especially when uh, you have a, a young league. You want your teams to succeed but i mean we also have to remember the growing pains that mls went through right they started up in the early 90s right after uh the world cup was uh being hosted in the united states they grew really fast and then they contracted they ended up losing a whole bunch of teams in the late 90s so 
is this the CPL contraction before they, you know, get their feet and, uh, you know, get some sort of stability? I don't know. But I, uh, when it comes to uh, FC Edmonton, uh, I, it's, it's not looking good. We might end up with one less team in, uh, in the province of Alberta. We really suck for the game of soccer in our country. Yeah. Okay. On that note, we're going to take an ad break, um, say hello to our sponsors, then we'll go across the pond to Europe. Stick around. Want to start your own podcast about sports or whatever? Great. Unsure how to get started? No problem. That's what Buzzsprout is for. The Abbott Discussers podcast uses Buzzsprout. It's quick and easy, and myself and thousands of other podcasters around the world use Buzzsprout. You'll get an awesome-looking website, plus your show will be out on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and all other platforms. You'll also get ways to promote the show, detailed analytics and stats, and a whole lot more. But that's not all. If you signed up with a paid plan for Buzzsprout, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card, and it would also help support this show. It's easy. Just follow the link in the show notes. Buzzsprout makes podcasting fun and easy. Start your own today. Hey, do you want to win some cash? Do you love sports betting? Then Bet99 is the place for you. It is a Canadian online betting website and app that allows you to bet on football matches or matches of any other sport. It also has an online casino. Bet99 is the official betting sponsor for the Terminal City FC podcast and the Area 51 Sports Network. Go to the Area 51 website, click betting, and sign up for a welcome offer of a 100% match up to your initial deposit of $600, as well as boosted odds for the teams that you care about the most. Bet99.com is Canada's premier place for sports betting and online casino games. Must be 19 plus to play, and please play responsibly. All right, thank you to our sponsors. Um for the area 51 sports network. All right. So Chelsea Spurs league two of the English league cup final at Tottenham Hotspur stadium yesterday, Chelsea went three, nothing on aggregate Chelsea win one, nothing in the second leg. Thanks to Antonio Rudiger's goal. Pay the man. And Chelsea will be in a cup final for like the eight, the seventh straight season. Can we just skip this part, Josh? <laughs> Again. You know what? I don't know what to say. Though the Spurs lineup, when it came out, was already questionable for this game. And it it didn't leave me feeling all that positive for our chances. And I think even if you take those two games and break them down into four halves, those were four halves that were won by Chelsea every single time. I hate to say it as a Spurs fan, and I definitely hate to give it to uh, another London club, but hands down, Chelsea deserved to be in the final. Yeah, that was Tuchel Ball at full force. Possession, pressure, count, good attack on the counter. And Kepa Ariza Balaga was brilliant. And Yeah, you know what? He was forced to stand up and make a few saves. Uh, I think he did really well with it. Uh, when when um, it comes to the lineup, I was really surprised that for a semifinal game, they decided to go with uh, Galini in net rather than Hugo Lloris. I know that was very surprising, and they moved. Con- yeah, I mean, Conte said that it, you know, you know, Galini he deserved the start. He had been doing really well. He had uh, played in some of the earlier matches in the League Cup, so they decided to give him a shot. When you're two down in a cup tie and you get that second game back in your own stadium, you put out whatever you can. I don't understand why they played Lloris. I don't understand why they played Matt Doherty. This is a guy that they are actively trying to get out of the club this January. And on top of that, they took a right a right wing back and played him on the left side of the pitch. So not only did you play a guy you don't want at the club, you played him out of position. You have guys like uh, Giovanni Lacelso who draw back into the squad who, I mean, have barely played, I don't know, 100 minutes this entire season because they've spent the entire time either lying on the pitch 
feigning an injury or being in the injury or being in the training room actually injured. There's just so many questions about this squad that made me feel like they were throwing in the towel before the second leg had even started. Yeah, Darty on the left was a very questionable move by Antonio Conte. And Spurs did catch, did get a goal, but it was one of three calls that were called off by VAR. Yeah, they had uh, two penalty, uh, two potential penalties called off by VAR and a goal called off by VAR uh, offside. Now, this offside uh, by Harry Kane actually was offside. It's not like uh, last week where he's offside by an elbow, maybe. Maybe he breathed wrong. I don't know. But this one was offside. And, you know, it wasn't that he was marginally offside. When you look at the way the lines are drawn, it was probably a good foot. Yeah, that was clear. I think VAR got all the calls right, especially with the second one, because Kepa got the ball first. You know what? And not only that, like the the first VAR, you know what? The tackle did continue inside the box, but the point of contact was outside. So, you know what? I have to say... I wish it would have gone the other way. I wish that, you know, you just get that chance, but it was the right call in the end. The second one, I mean, you're right, Kepa did, but the thing is, is uh, the Spurs player didn't even touch the ball. Yeah. He didn't even touch the ball, so there was no control there. I mean, it, it to me, I think the only reason that went to VAR is just because the referee was in a, a difficult position to see the initial call. Uh, and you know what? The fact that the referee chose to rely on VAR, chose to use the screen to get a better picture for himself, shows VAR can work if it is used correctly. Exactly. Every single call went against my team, and I'm still saying that. So VAR works. Yeah, it, it does. Correctly. If you use it properly. And this was a case of VAR being used properly absolutely i i can't complain i can be angry but i think i'm more angry in the fact of things that happened on my team rather than situationally within the game yeah and it was a pure chelsea dominance in terms of possession the lukaku Werner link up i just i just want to see it more and i just want to see them to be more clinical especially with like lukaku lukaku didn't look that bad Although he had that one chance in the second half where he just skied it over the bar. Wish he, <laughs> wish he could have done it better. But I hope to see that link up more often in the future. When you sky it over the ball like that, you're thinking of a different kind of football. Yeah. You know what? I would say both strikers, Lukaku and Harry Kane on the other side, both of them didn't actually have bad games. It's just that, you know, they, they came up against either decent goalies uh, at that time, or they, you know, they're also, they're, they're, they're strikers. They're waiting for someone to get them the ball before they can do anything. And, you know, sometimes you have games that are tough, you know, that are more defensive minded. There were moments of brilliance and moments of good possession play for uh, Spurs. You take a look at the first 10 minutes of the game. Spurs were in control. They did pretty good, and then they started to lose it. They, it wasn't something that they could maintain. Uh, it just, you know, you're playing with a, a lineup that looks like it's, you know, been put together MacGyver style versus a team that uh, Tuchel put out there that went out to win. So I don't think that there are any surprises that can be found from this, uh, from this cup tie. I think Chelsea deserve to be in the final. And right now, regardless of who they go up against, I think Chelsea might be my favorite to win the the League Cup. That's a great answer. And it's either Liverpool or it's Arsenal in the League Cup final at Wembley on the 27th of February. Well, if it's Arsenal, I'm hoping you win anyway because I will never cheer for it. If it's Arsenal, I see Chelsea having a better chance to win, but don't count them out if they play Liverpool either. No, Liverpool is always going to be a good side. The thing is, is the League Cup isn't something that 
Klopp considers all that well, right? So right. I don't I mean, even guess, consider it. Hey. I mean, yeah, I mean, not even at all, right? I mean, like he'll put a team out there. It'll be a final. He'll want to win, but he's going to have his priorities set elsewhere. For sure. And Chelsea have a big test on the weekend. They're taking on the league leaders, Manchester City at the Etihad. Yeah. Hey, I'll and, say the first game of the season, Spurs beat them over there. So if we can do it, you can. And they last met at Stamford Bridge back in September or October. And Chelsea lost one nothing. Ten points is what separates these two. And City have won their last five in a row. And they don't look like they're slowing down. No. You know what? When And this happens in every uh, season when City kind of comes out ahead uh, during the Christmas uh, rush of games. They pull ahead and they don't look back. I think it's going to be very difficult for any team to catch City at this stage of uh, the league right now. Yeah, you've got Pep Guardiola saying the league's not done. And he's right. It's not. But it's going to take a minor miracle for any side to catch up to them. I think what's going to be interesting is who are going to make up those remaining three spots in the Champions League. Uh, I think more than any other year before, it's more open. There are a bunch of teams that could be potentially up there. It's going to be Liverpool. It's going to be Chelsea. Spot number four, I don't know. Right now, I just don't know. We don't know. It's going to be really interesting who takes that fourth spot. So Tottenham have a London derby against Arsenal. Yeah, you know what? It's a chance to, to get your anger up, right? It's a chance to go out there and, you know what? Take out your frustrations. Get, get a dirty win. I don't even care how it happens, but just get a win that kind of sets a marker for what you could be, right? Tottenham only two points. Have, oh, yeah. yeah, and you know what? They have not lost in the league under Conte yet. You know, they've done actually quite well. And they also have a couple of games in hand around the team or the teams that are around them in, uh, in the table. So this is a chance for Tottenham to, you know, move up, not only move up the table, but to show that those games in the hand are valuable to them and are potentially dangerous to those other teams that are sitting in, you know, third, like, uh, you know, third place, fifth place, you know, any of these other ones, right? Tottenham can use this to solidify at least a Europa League spot, but, I mean, push into a Champions League spot. They're, it, is, it is absolutely up to them. And if they choose to take it, I mean, it, it, you can't really do anything to a team that has games in hand, right? Right. And two points separate Tottenham and Arsenal. And Tottenham are four points back of fourth place West Ham. So they could really make up some ground if they win this. You take those two games and they're above West Ham and that's fourth spot, right? That, I mean, and, and to start that and to make a push and make a statement win against a team like Arsenal, that not only galvanizes your squad, it galvanizes everyone that is, uh, that loves the club, right? There, there are, there are people that cheer for Spurs that would actually have to think long and hard of whether or not they want to win the league, but lose to Arsenal or lose to Arsenal, but win the league. And also gives them a chance to see, to like, boost some confidence in everyone, like the manager, the board. Like if they beat Arsenal and overtake them, there's, a, there's that hope of, oh, maybe we can make top four. Maybe we can spend some money on some players this, this month. Well, that's just it, Josh. I mean, right now, uh, when you look at all the teams that are, even in, say, like the top seven or eight, the one team that consistently does not spend money is Spurs. They have some of the best resources to spend money, and they no longer have the excuse of, oh, but we're building a stadium. That stadium's built. It's been around now for a few years. It's time to take that money that you have been using and spend it on the club, to spend it on the squad. And there are potential out there. Uh, Conte just had a meeting with uh, Daniel Levy, uh, with the, the owner Lewis, and with uh, with the sporting director about uh, what 
they are looking for this uh, this transfer window. And the three main positions that they have listed are a right wing back, not a fullback, a wing back that fits Conte's style, a second striker, and a central midfielder. Now, surprising out of that is that uh, the need for a center back seems to have been eliminated. Now, we know that Conte wants to be reunited with Stefan de Vrij that he played with uh, or that played under him in, uh, in Italy. And I think that would be a good one to look at, if not for January, but for, uh, for the summer. But the, the three positions that they're looking at, this transfer window, do not include a center back. And it all starts right now with Adama Traore out of uh, Wolverhampton Wolves. They want to take Traore and do what Conte did to Victor Moses with Chelsea, which you know, which you would know, Josh, and convert him into that right wing back position. And the more and more you think about it, the more and more it actually does seem to make sense. Traore is athletic. He's one of the fastest guys in the league. So, and the thing is, is his athleticism also includes endurance. So he can last for the amount of running that position will take. He can pass a ball. The one thing he doesn't seem to have is finishing. And the thing is, is for a right wing back, that's not important. Yeah. Troy is a really, really fast guy and great player for Wolves. Again, yeah, right back, you're supposed to get the counter up, defend, and make some crosses. Scoring, yeah. not so much. If you can't score, good. But it's not a priority. If you can get the assists and you can create gold chances, you're doing your job. Exactly. Right? Now, when it comes to the other positions, uh, I know uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Frank Kessie, uh for the midfield. Uh, again, another player out of uh, Italy right now. Uh, he's with his respective side in AFCON right now. And there is still talk about uh, Vladovic uh, out of Fiorentina for the striker position. But again, you know, you name a, a top club in Europe and, you know, this is a guy they all want. So I don't know. Uh, I think it's going to be very, very tough. I think uh, it might price him out of the running for Spurs, not because they don't have the money to do it, but because Spurs are stingy. Yep, they really are. I don't and know what else the, to say. What else to say? And also speaking of transfers, Aston Villa have been quite active on the market with Felipe Coutinho and Lucas Digne joining their squad. Aston Villa. I mean, they are they're they want more than what they are right now they don't want to be a mid-side team right they they remember when they were not only top of the league but top of europe right and uh, i think they have aspirations they've got a they've got a quality manager they have a quality manager that has ties to a lot of players think of one of the reasons why coutinho is uh stepping up and playing for us in villa that that coutinho gerard history i'm i'm willing to bet you know you know all the money in my pockets that's one of the reasons why or one of the main reasons why continue has decided to come up there i think that team is starting to galvanize a little bit and uh you know what it's going to make a lot of the teams that are at the top of the table worried like is this another is this another luster right is this another team that we're now going to have to be worried about pushing for these higher level spots ones that we think by by birthright should be ours for sure and Coutinho of course has a connection as a teammate with Steven Gerrard and of course was 120 million pound signing from Barcelona in 2018 I believe that was their biggest signing ever and totally has not worked out just looked invisible on the pitch went out on loan to Bayern Munich and has barely got any play time under Xavi and Ronald Koeman making like 400k a week maybe this movie move back to england and the mentorship of steven gerrard could get his career back on track and then lucas digne was someone i wanted chelsea to sign as a left wing back due to ben shilwell being out pretty much for the rest of the season and he went to aston villa 
from Everton in a 25 million pound deal. Which again is so surprising. This is a huge get for Austin Villa. Yeah, and Digne asked to leave Everton just a week ago. And he says to work with Steven Gerrard is the main factor. And Aston Villa don't want to be like that team that's like near the bottom of the table. They want to be, they want to finish higher. No, they want Europe. They want Europe. They want Europa League. They want Europa Conference League. Hell, even Champions League. They want Champions League. They're not there yet, but you know what? Give them a couple of years. That's going to be a team that's fighting for those, those top spots. If they keep going in the same direction that they're going, right? Uh, the, the one thing you don't want, or that Austin Villa and Austin Villa fans are not going to want, is all this optimism, say like what was surrounding Everton in the last couple of years. And then all of a sudden hiccups starting to happen and growing pains and now a little bit of uh, uncertainty around the club. They're hoping that's not going to happen with them over their next two years. I think they're starting to put the pieces in place to ensure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, totally. And they want to, they want to be an ambitious club again. They want, they want to stay in the Premier League and finish high. And speaking of other Premier League clubs, Manchester United have been one of the best clubs in the world for many years now. And, they're still struggling despite the managerial change. They lost their last Premier League to game to Wolves. And there's rumors of unrest in the Man United locker room and that players have turned on the interim manager, Ralph Ragnick. But Cristiano Ronaldo says Ragnick needs time to improve Man United, which is true. He just got there. And... Marcus Rashford denies that there's unrest in the in the locker room under Ralph Ragnick. You know what? Every player is going to deny that there's unrest, but I think when it's starting to come from as many sources as it is, everyone can't be wrong, right? There's there is something going there that is not sitting well with between players and management. And obviously we don't know what it is, but you know what? It's, uh, it's not, it's hurting the club. And the fact that they decided to go with an interim manager rather than try to get something more permanent in the off season. Again, we're still hearing uh, Mauricio Pacheco's name uh, being uh, bandied about. I mean, almost daily about wanting to go to Man United uh, from PSG. But I, I kind of feel like players, on Man United have checked out. They're just there for a paycheck this year. And uh, some of them I've checked out to the point where they're looking elsewhere in Europe for where they want to play. That's totally seems to be the case. And it seems Ragnick's ideas and tactics pretty much mirror Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's. You can kill the man, but you can't kill the idea. Is what well, it's saying. not only that, but I mean, in the ways that it differs, players can't seem to grasp it. There, there seems to be disorganization. There seems to be players that don't know where they are meant to be underneath uh, Ragnick. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, at, at times it's almost laughable watching what's happening. Yeah, it, it really is. Like the dressing room has been lost. Players have checked out. United seventh in the league, which is, if, which is like not acceptable. United need trophies they need to win the league they need titles this is not man united it's this not something you know else. What? it's not the man united that you and i know but the thing is the man united that you and i know is almost a decade almost a decade ago so do we know do we now have to start realizing that man united of what we think man united is are they that not right? anymore they're not, and they haven't been for quite a while. Not since Ferguson retired. No, not since Ferguson retired. And yes, he won in his last season, but he did it with an aging squad. He did it with a squad that was going to need a massive amount of rework. And um, you know what? You have uh, people in Man United that have this expectation that we win every single day. It doesn't work that way. And it hasn't worked that way for them for a long time. 
And I think if they want to get back there, it's not just one simple solution here or there. It's that is a club that needs to rework themselves from the ground floor, right from, you know, the, the failing stadium of old tractor that seems to be falling apart to ownership that seem, that is going to be leaving and transferring here really soon uh, with uh, who the chairman is to a manager, to players. I mean, this is a club with a lot of problems. Yeah. Like bringing Cristiano Ronaldo back wasn't going to solve everything. No. Uh, the only this thing that was going to solve needs- was hopefully get people to come to the stadium this team uh it needs a off the pitch and on the pitch retool rehaul whatever you want to call it yeah so i mean they have the fan base that fan base isn't going away anytime regardless of how poor they seem to be doing at the moment but they're also vocal they're gonna let you know that they are not happy and they have been letting people know that they're not happy Uh, I don't know. Maybe a new chairman will finally listen. Maybe uh, they'll start making some of these really, really hard changes that need to be done. But this is a project that will, in my mind, is going to take a couple of years. It's right? going to take years for yeah. them to get back to where they were. Can't even hard to believe almost a decade since they last won the Premier League. I know. I know. And then, yes, they've won cups here and there. They got a, they've got league cups. They got a, a Europa yep. league under when Mourinho was there. They've, they've won trophies, but they but haven't won the one they, or the ones they want champions league and premier league. Premier league. Right. They haven't won a trophy in almost five years. Yeah. And that was the Europa league under Mourinho. Yeah, it was. And I think that's the, really the highest that they've done in uh, those last 10 years. Yeah, so the Man United be all, but when you think of Man United, you think of a great team, but that really isn't the case anymore. Teams do not fear going to Old Trafford anymore. They know that they're in for a tough game, but they don't fear it, you know? And the theater of dreams now, it's been the theater of nightmares for the past, like, almost a decade now. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been mediocre at best. Um, there, it's going to, like we said, it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to start from the very, very top. I don't think that a lot of these questions are going to be answered until we know who the new chairman is going to be. Woodward, we know, is gone. It's just a matter of time. And I believe it was the end of January is when his last day is going to be. Uh, that transition of power, it's going to take time for a new executive to first set up the executive to understand what it is that board is going to look like. And then that will filter down to the management and the coaching team. And then it will filter down to scouting and what it is they want to do for the squad. And then it will filter down to the squad. Right? Right. So the the part that you and I get to see, the product on the pitch, is like the last thing that the club actually needs to worry about. So there is a lot of work that needs to happen behind the scenes before we start to see what what it does to affect the product on the pitch. Sure. And before we wrap up, El Clasico happened in the Spanish, which is the equivalent of the Spanish, the English League Cup in in Spain. And that's six times in a row that Real Madrid beat Barcelona. And they won 3-2 in extra time, I believe. Well, I mean, Barcelona, this is another team that's another team through uh, a crisis, right? Exactly. And I mean, their crisis financially is worse. Yeah, it makes Man United's crisis look look like heaven yeah it does right i mean we're talking about a club that is i mean literally a billion euros in debt right like how how do you function how how do you function when you i mean you're basically printing money on the on the back of toilet paper because it's worthless well real madrid aren't the same team as they were under the ronaldo years they're still a pretty good team they are still still a pretty good team Again, they're an aging team. But they're still pretty good. They have some young talent. Yeah. Like Vinicius. Yeah. Oh, very true. Very true. Take Federico Valverde. Yeah. Uh, But uh, then again, you're also going to see players uh, take off here pretty soon. I mean, uh, Lucas Mora, 
or yeah. sorry, Lucas Moura. What am I saying? Uh, uh, Luka Modric. I mean, yeah, Modric. he's what 36, 37. He's not going to be around much longer. You've got, uh, you know, Benzema, who is already getting up there for a striker. I mean, there is going to be transition. But the nice thing about Real Madrid is they've handled their transitions as required. They have never really allowed themselves to get themselves into a hole. You know, they, t- they, they have depth everywhere. And they, they nurture these players to move up and to fill those roles as required. Not every player works out, but I mean, they have a philosophy that has worked for them for many, many years. Exactly. They transitioned quite well. There were bumps, but their transition was quite well. Unlike Barcelona, who are billions of euros in debt, uh, wasted on wasted transfers. Messi's gone. Um, Xavi is the new manager. The transition is going to take years. It's yeah, going to take and, years for them to recover from this. Yeah, uh, I'll be interested to see if Xavi is the guy to do it. Uh, great player, but again, you know. Again, not always he, a great he, manager. His record as a manager is what, in Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia, and that's it. Yeah, so, I mean, he did very well in Saudi Arabia, but the Spanish uh, La Liga is a completely different beast, right? We're talking about one of the top leagues in the world. Uh, and we're talking about a lot of egos that come along with that, right? Yeah, they're going to recognize Xavi for, you know, the the playing genius that he was, but that only goes so far. So exactly. he, if he can get players on his side, if he can get, uh, you know, they've got a brand new chairman who seems to have a, a bit of a better head on his shoulders. There are, and they have, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do about their debt. I mean, there was rumors about being bought out by a consortium. Those seem to have faded over the past few months. So I, I don't know where they're going to find the money to make the fixes they need to make. Yeah, it's like, this is like, this is an insane amount of debt left by the former, I believe, CEO slash chairman, Bartomeu. Yeah. And while Barcelona have some talent in like Ansu Fati and others, that's it's not really a a it was not it's not the dynamite squad that won Champions League anymore. It's to, it's far from that. It's absolutely far from that. Uh, right now, I mean, when I think of Barcelona, I think of uh, a team surviving on on their name and badge alone. Like if this I were any other it. small club probably would have folded yeah i mean honestly wouldn't they like how do you survive when i mean i i I don't understand how this club is not on life support right now right i don't understand it feels like it there there seems to be so much delusion around this club of who they of who people think they are i don't know if they are that i think they are a good club but there are so many problems right down into the heart of this club that if they do not solve this club, I mean, worst case scenario may not exist in a while. If they don't find a way to pay off that debt, if they don't rebuild the squad. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's mind boggling that you can be that much in debt and still believe you can be spending tens of millions of euros on players. You've got to fix your house first, because if, if if you're bringing in players to a house that doesn't exist, what are you doing? Bought Fair and Torres. I don't know how. I don't, yeah, I don't know how. I mean, I, apparently there's a few million lying around somewhere. Uh, I thought it might go down to paying down interest payments, but you know, what do I know? Like what? Like what do I know? Like if you if you want to before you spend your money on a nice car, gotta fix that. You gotta fix your house. It seems like they're paying off credit cards by buying up new credit cards, right? All right. This is, uh, yeah, just this what failed transfers can do to you. Not off the, also off the pitch, not only on the pitch. Yeah, very much so. So we'll end it on that note this week. I know it's kind of grim to end it on that note. The but... Whitecaps start on Monday. Yeah, training camp is on Monday. The season is over. Um. 
month away. And before you know it, we'll be talking so much white caps. We'll be watching the games. We'll hopefully be at BC Place as fans or maybe, maybe more than just fans. We'll see. We'll see. But more white caps coverage will be coming from us throughout the MLS season. And hopefully they'll go far. You know what? I think when we, if we want to end on a positive note, the Whitecaps are our positive note. A lot of that has to do with Sartini. So let's end on that. Let's end on that. So I, I'm Joshua Ray. You can follow me on Twitter at JoshuaRay91. Nathan's at Enduric. Pretty simple. Follow Terminal City FC on Twitter at Terminal City FC. Same handle for Instagram. Check out the Facebook page. Just search up Terminal City FC podcast. Thank you to our sponsors. We're part of the Area 51 Sports Network. Check out the rest of the podcast, read the blog, which I've been writing quite a bit on now. So that concludes this week's episode. Nathan, any final thoughts? Um, no, I'm good. Uh, it's sunny. I'm going to go uh, outside. Yeah. Oh, it's, it really is sunny. So Yeah, we actually have no rain, so let's go enjoy it. Uh, so that concludes, that concludes this week's episode. Peace out. Take care.